I'm excited about how technology is uh, being democratized, how it's plunging in cost. One of our missions is to positively impact one billion people. The relevance of a new technology to solving problems that affect like a billion people. Great stuff happens because someone inspires someone else to do something. The next wave of innovation is going to be eroding the territory. How's it, sentient beings? Welcome back to Exponential Africa. Today we are going to discuss a topic that is on everyone's mouths and in minds. Artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is, is seeing a rapid rise like we've never seen before, changing the game in automation, optimization, and predictive analytics through things like machine learning, deep learning, and reinforcement learning. But really, what is the ethics and implications of all of this? Today, we're going to hear from Alex Rubsam, who will talk around the ethics behind AI and how do we create AI algorithms and models that look after us as humans instead of control us like some Terminator movie. Have a listen and I hope you enjoy. None of this would be possible without the incredible support of our partners. Our main collaboration partner is the Development Bank of Southern Africa, who is also our first Singularity U South Africa country partner. The DBSA has a massive focus on how to bring prosperity to all South Africans through infrastructure development, communications, technology, water and energy and have some incredible projects you'll be hearing about in a few months. Our global partner Deloitte is also a country partner with us and we have been building an amazing relationship with Deloitte over the last three years. Working with their team has really shown us how Deloitte really does live up to their mantra of delivering impact into Africa and helping their clients transform and be ready for the future. Next is our strategic partner, who is also a country partner and has been on this journey with us for the last three years, MTN. MTN is Africa's largest mobile network and is leading the way in communications, bringing data and communication to millions of South Africans and Africans. Welcome back to Exponential Africa, where we are in the beautiful city of Sydney. It's a lovely day and we are at the Singularity U Australia Summit, learning about all the different technologies that are going to transform our lives. I'm here with Alex Ripsum, who is the Faculty Fellow of uh, AI and Ethics at Singularity University. She also focuses on societal, cultural and social implications of different exponential technologies. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So tell us, what does it actually mean to research these different social, cultural, and uh, societal implications? Well, for me, it means that I get to look at all the ways in which so many of the exponential technologies that we're researching at Singularity University, what they mean for someone's daily life, what they mean in their business, etc. But from a, from a bit of a more macro perspective in terms of for instance, what does it still mean to be human when we have all these technologies that can do all these things for us? What, how will that impact how we relate to one another? How will that impact what we do with these technologies? So a bit of a more, let's say, human perspective on the tech. Amazing. So, I mean, it really is going to change every aspect of our lives, these different technologies. And, you know, people talk about the robots taking our jobs. What's, what's your take on that? Well, one of the things we hear people say very often is like, we're all going to die because AI is coming and it's going to be smarter than we are. I think those kinds of stories are very contingent on us thinking about ourselves as if we are 
ourselves like computers. And it's easy, right? It's easy to um, understand one another when we're talking about ourselves, when we're talking about other persons, to use these kinds of frames of references that make it easier to talk about. You know what I mean when I say, oh, you know, I forgot to save that, or it's getting a little rusty up here, the cogs aren't working, etc. But what we're doing in those instances is we're representing ourselves as if we are these machines. Of course, we're much more than that. So if we start to lose ourselves in that metaphor of computation or of machines and etc., and then we have another machine that comes along and says, oh, I'm going to be much better, then we may start to feel threatened. And that just means we have to go and start looking at the other things that we are and to represent ourselves in that way as well. So there's so much debate around this. I mean, you know, people are talking about building biases in AR. What does it actually mean to build a bias in AR? So what happens when we, when we automate decision-making is we use data, right? And data is, by its very definition, a representation of the world around us. We, we take what the world gives us, what we see in the world, and we represent that in a way that computers, that technologies can cope with and can deal with and they can read, which is, as of yet, binary code. Um, so there is a translation that takes place at that very instance of deciding to do something either in an algorithmic, in any way where you would deal with it computationally, which means that someone has to decide what gets translated. And those kinds of decisions are very human. However, we often look at algorithms, at uh, data that's produced by computers, at big data especially, as if it has an air of uh, neutrality as if it has a, a nature of objectiveness so one of the things that we we're at risk of losing sight of is all the human decision making that goes into how we represent our humanity our activity our shopping our our likes our dislikes in a way that forgets that the way that which we do that is very very human and very subjective and not objective at all and so that is one way in which we see biases enter into, for instance, our algorithms. Other ways are more where we actually have ourselves a bias and that in the way that we build these technologies, the biases that we have will become introduced into the technologies that we do. So an example of, for instance, um, you could have unrepresentative data. This is what we saw with a lot of the um, facial recognition software that was trained predominantly on white faces. So when that technology existed and it's very impressive and we have technology can actually recognize faces but what it turns out is it's much better at recognizing white faces than it is in non-white faces because it has been fed unrepresentative data so it's got fed a lot more data of white faces exactly yes and another way that something like that might happen is not so much having unrepresentative data but having actually biased data which is what happened with the um uh, the Amazon algorithm that they used to hire new people. So they trained an algorithm on their previous hires. And because they hired way more men than they did women in the hit, in the past, that algorithm fig figured, well, they must be trying to hire more men. And it found ways in which to hire more men than women. And so that's an example of bias data. And what it actually did was because they were quite aware of like gender bias, but so they took out the... Um, the gender in people's applications but because there's proxy variables because if you're optimizing for a good hire you can't just say well a good hire is represented by this number right you yes. have to have something that you can actually measure and that's what you're then optimizing for so you have to use proxies for what a good hire is 
And these can come in many different ways. One of them being, for instance, job tenure, right? Like how, how long people tend to stay at a certain job. But because women sometimes leave their job for a while because they uh, have kids, for instance, and they have sometimes breaks in their, in their resume because yes. of that, that becomes then a proxy variable for gender. So in, in, in that case, the algorithm is still able to weed out women because of these kinds of like proxy variables. Another one was um, all women's university or the use of language, etc. So it's not as simple as just taking out these kinds of like, oh, we're taking gender out now, we have a gender blind bias. And I think when it comes to these kinds of technologies, it's, it's naive to think that we can make something that's bias free. It's just that we have to be very careful about the, the biases that we are aware of that we're putting in and being aware of the ones that we might not be aware of and seeking to address those. And I mean, with this whole notion of robots, uh, you know, getting rights, how do you feel about that? I mean, it depends on um, where, yeah, well, that's, I think that's a very, very interesting thought experiment, right? And I believe that there are things for us to consider when it comes to who and what do we lend rights? Historically, how we think about what it means to be human, for instance, um, has been quite binary. You either belong or you don't belong, right? right? And we have a long history, being from South Africa, you know this, of feeling justified in the treatment of whatever we don't consider to be fully human or a fully fledged citizen. Um, on the basis of such uh, paradigms of inclusion and exclusion. If we can con conceive of a way in which we would like to think about robots having rights and we can use that kind of thinking to maybe subvert these binary notions of human and non-human, which are historically always in flux, that is very interesting. That's, yes. a, that's an avenue of thought that I find very interesting and potentially very empowering, right? If we can, if we can just let go of this, This you either are here or here, and if you're here, you have these rights, and if you're here, you don't have it's those our rights. our own biases, we've got our own right. uh, and that's structural why, biases. Exactly, and that's yeah. why we see the history of who belongs to the human race being such a sort of flexible, not flexible, but changing over the course of history, right? And so if we can, if we can start thinking about robots having rights, then that gives me a lot of hope for how we may be able to subvert the binary notion of what it means to be human. I think we've run out of time for t on today's show, so I hope you really enjoyed that episode and uh, make sure to like and subscribe to Exponential Africa. Alex, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank and, you so uh, much for having me. We'll see you in uh, the virtual world, in, in the artificial intelligence world. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that gave you a lot to think about. If you like that, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channels. Have a great day and keep smiling.